Hello, welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock Podcast. I'm your host, Alice Dano, and back again is... Hello, Brian Zeno, along for the purple bumpy-chinned ride. Yes, so we are back for more <laughs> Captain Marvel and Thanos goodness. Yes, yes, as we work our way through what I like to call the Starlin-verse. <laughs> no, that doesn't work. There you go, that's better. There we go, that's better. So yes, today we are going to be doing Captain Marvel 26. It's cover dated May 1973. And actually went on sale on February 27th, 1973. Oh, okay. At least okay. according to Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Which, which is my go-to authority on on-sale dates. Yes. That's usually what I, that's where I get all my on-sale dates from that's as well. That's pretty much where I get all, so well. Mike's wrong, it's prior Prior to 2000, I found that, uh, I found that uh, for more recent years, he kind of gets into that unfortunate, uh, if the cover date is May, then he just says May 1st, whatever. Uh, um, so for anything in like the last five or six years, I actually defer to Comixology for my on-sale dates. Oh. So I use a combination when I need to uh, find information on things that I'm talking about. Well, yeah, whatever I'm getting information for all these issues, I usually go back and forth between uh, Comic Book DB, mm-hmm. Mike's Amazing World, mm-hmm. and a complete Marvel reading order. Okay. Oh, CMRO is excellent. That's actually where all. Unless I have the actual issue and they give a description in the in the um, not bullpen bull, but in the checklist yeah. of what happens in the issue. That's where all my descriptions of issues come from. Is okay. a Marvel reading order. That's cool. Uh, just while we're while we're giving out that info, also got to give a shout out to uh, the Grand Comics database at comics.org. That is yes. Um, oh yeah, and them too. They they are extremely useful and always uh, a go to sort of resource for me. So. Which is why you can almost always find. Most, for the most part, one or all four of those websites um, in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> because even if I don't mention them, I want to make sure they get the credit there because I use them for pretty much everything. Pretty much everything. Agreed. So. I, if anything's wrong, it's their fault. So the uh, the cover of this issue. Well, actually, first we should probably give people a synopsis. Oh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm used to the way. I'm on, on my own podcast, I always do cover, synopsis, then page by page. But this is your show, Al, so I defer to you. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Marvel 26 Betrayal Had a cover date of May 1973 and an on-sale date of February 27th, 1973 with a cover price of originally 20 cents. Script is Mike Friedrich Plot and penciler Jim Starlin Inker, Dave Cockrum Letterer, John Costanza Colorist is Jim Starlin Editor, Roy Thomas Cover art is Jim Starlin and Frank Giacoga. We start with Captain Marvel breaking down Luann's door. Angrily, Rick recaps the events of the last issue. Once that is done, Luann tells Cap, and Rick, about Saturn's moon Titan. Titan is ruled by a monster named Thanos, who dreams of ruling the universe. He has an army of violent outcasts from a hundred worlds, and he is starting the conquest with Earth. He is working with an for now, unnamed Earth criminal, who uses discs placed on the back of the neck to control world leaders. He is using that to control Luann as she then attempts to shoot Marvell. Rick is still quite angry, but Marvell listens as Luann tells him that only specific actions are controlled, not everything, and she begs for their help. Feeling compassion, Rick relents in his anger. While Rick comforts her, we see that they are spied on by the Super Scroll, Scrag, and Master Lord. They reveal that they actually do control her every word and deed, even when she says they aren't. It is all part of Scrag's plan. The next part is for the Super Scroll to antagonize the thing and goad him to coming to a specific location. At the same time, Luann is sending Rick and Captain Marvel to that same location. 
When the thing arrives, Scrag blasts him with the device that removes his voice. Unable to speak, Captain Marvel assumes he's one of the scrolls in disguise and attacks. Unwilling to back down, the thing fights back, and the two battle until Captain Marvel zaps the thing with an electrical cable, knocking him down. He grabs a piece of twisted metal and is about to deal a death blow, but does not. While Captain Marvel has killed before, to do so in this way would take a colder heart than his own. The electricity has brought back the thing's ability to speak, and this final failure seals Scrag's fate. Hearing the Skrull's death cry, the thing and Marvel race to find Scrag turned into a stone statue. They also come face to face with the Super Skrull, a mysterious cloak figure, and Master Lord himself, Thanos. Thanos reveals that once hidden knowledge that Marvel has is his, he will not just be the ruler of Titan, but of Earth and the stars as well. The thing doesn't take kindly to this and attacks, but is knocked out with one blast from Thanos. Marvel is amazed by this, but points out that Thanos a flaw in his plan. He will never be able to get Marvel to tell him whatever it is he wants to know. However, Thanos had planned for this and forces the captain to switch places with Rick Jones. He is Thanos' true target. He then teleports away with Rick, as well as the Super Scroll and his cloaked friend, leaving the thing alone. <laughs> My name is Michael Bailey. And I am Jeffrey Taylor. And we host a podcast called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. Presented by the Superman homepage. On the show... Wait, wait, wait. What? This just isn't working out for me. It's not bombastic enough. We need something epic. Like what? Welcome to From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, presented by the Superman homepage. I am Jeffrey Taylor. And I am Michael Bailey. From Crisis to Crisis chronicles the adventures of Superman wait, wait, from... Wait, 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 wait. I'm just not feeling this. I'm just wondering how there's a needle-scratching sound when all of this is clearly digital. Look, all we need to say is that this is the, a trailer for a show called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast presented by the home, Superman homepage. My name is Michael Bailey. I'm Jeffrey Taylor. And every week we give in-depth synopsis and reviews for just about every Superman book published between Man of Steel number one in 1986 and Adventures of Superman number 649 in 2006. We also talk about the related Superman media, what was happening in the rest of the world when these comics were published and what else was going on in the DC Universe. The show drops every Thursday-ish at the Superman homepage, which is located at www.supermanhomepage.com. From Crisis to Crisis is also a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network, located at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. So join Jeffrey and I each week as we explore Superman during the post-crisis era, which includes Exile, Panic in the Sky, Doomsday, The Marriage, and Beyond. And write into the show at FromCrisisToCrisis at gmail.com and hear it read on the air. Eventually, because we get behind on that sort of thing. 
Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Side effects from, from Crisis to Crisis include loss of money from buying back issues, a desire to read 20-year-old comic books, nausea, drowsiness, pizza, blurred vision, upset stomach, a desire to kick puppies and kittens, and backache from lifting boxes of Superman comics. If the excitement of From Crisis to Crisis lasts more than four hours, seek immediate medical attention. So now, now we do the cover. Okay, now we do the cover. Sorry about that. Uh, this cover makes it pretty my show. clear. My. <laughs> it's my show. My, um, my. This anyway. cover makes it pretty clear what you are in for if you open this issue because basically the cover depicts a fight to the death between Captain Marvel and the Thing. Oh my god, what could make these two good guys fight to the death? Well, if you look off Pretty the anything. left side. That's true. This still was the age when superheroes in the mar- in the quote-unquote more realistic Marvel style were prone to flying off the handle at the most minimal of provocations. And to be fair, the Thing is the character that you generally is is in his character to do that. Yes, no, you that know. is that is There's some characters like you'll read them and go, "Really? That's stupid." You read, you see the thing you go, "Yeah, that makes sense." Now, uh, as to the what could be causing this uh off to the left side, you see a character crouched, uh, actually two characters crouched in a window. Now, with the benefit of 40 years of hindsight, yes. you and I recognize that character as Thanos, and the character behind that, is that death? I think so. Okay. However, at in, in, in February of 1973, when you would have been picking up this issue on the newsstands, at that point in time, Thanos had only appeared in one other comic book ever, that being Iron Man number 55. Yes. So it is a fair bet. And technically that- Captain Marvel 25 is the... Very hidden master lord. Right, but that was just a voice. You wouldn't have seen him. So I my think they point, showed, did they show him in like they showed him in silhouette? Well, no, like kind of like like it was like way extreme. too yeah yeah. Even if you read that Thanos issue of Iron Man and then this, you still probably wouldn't you have would realized. not. So I'm saying it's a fair bet that the overwhelming majority, probably 85, 90 percent of the prospective audience picking this up at a newsstand would have no clue. in 1973 would not look. They would see it. Oh, that looks like a villain. They would not say, "Ooh, that looks like Thanos." Which is why it's entertaining in this issue. How a they try and cover who he is until the very end as a reveal. Even yeah. when you see him, it's in shadow, like it's going to be revealed as Doctor Doom. Right, exactly. Or something. maybe that's what they were going for. Maybe they were going throughout the issue for saying, "Ooh, maybe this is somebody you know. Maybe it's Doctor Doom, or you know, Magneto uh, and Magneto." It's Thanos. But the f- best part, though, is in like page three or Megaton. Oh no, yes. wait, sorry. Uh- <laughs> the Megaton nun- Dun's Megaton Man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But on, like, page three, they pretty much tell you it's Thanos. Yeah. So it's kind of... But because... And at first I'm thinking... Well, we'll get to that page in a second. Yeah. So that was the cover. So we can move on to page one, and I do have to say, okay, this 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 I will be moving the podcast into slightly less G-rated territory here, but I have to say, this page is one of my favorite pages of comic art from the entire... 70s, and it's not just for the storytelling purposes, although the storytelling purposes are, you know, is good, but also because I gotta hand it to Jim Starlin. This, uh, 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 Luann, uh, I don't know her last name. Do I know her last name? I don't know if I know her last name. Uh, but Savannah was her uncle, so it's possible it was Savannah okay. if it's her father's but brother. Luann, Luann is. Hot in this page. I just stare at this page like, yes, that is marvelous. And apparently so, she's practicing for her job as a model for an art class. Yes, yes. she was just standing there posing. Yes, she's just standing there posing, but it is a fine pose and one that I enjoy looking at. So kudos to Jim Starlin for creating a splash page that is captivating in more ways than one. 
Yes. And I will say, I enjoyed the art in this issue a lot more than I yes. did in 25. Yes. And I don't know whether... Because last issue was Chickstone was, mm-hmm. the art, was the anchor. Yes. This issue... Dave, Dave Cockrum. Cockrum. No, I don't know if it's just that Dave Cockrum is a better anchor. He is. Or a better match with Starlin. Yes. Or maybe they saw Starlin's art. You know, they let you, you know, just, it's like, check, just ink it. You know, like his job, his job was just to ink it. And then when they actually saw the issue later on, they're like, oh, Dave, you know what? Do a little more than just do a little fixing. Well, and it's also a matter of perspective, I think. I mean, keep in mind, Chick Stone had, at this point, been inking for decades. Yeah. Lest you forget, he was the inker on Fantastic Four number one, and that was not his first No, he was up some... I, I was time up before. He was in the gold, comic book, I know right. he was an ink, I know he at least worked on so, Dollman in the Golden Age, if not other things. So Chick Stone is not a Bronze Age anchor. Dave Cockrum is, at this point, a newer talent. He came yes. up during the Bronze Age, so his entire artistic approach, much like Starlin's, is going to be much more in keeping with the zeitgeist of the time. I'm guessing... So you got to uh, give him that. I'm wondering if this was before he went to DC or after. I'm going to say, mm, I don't know the timing on that because the fact is, is that it was about two years after this that he created the new X-Men. And I know that was after his time at DC because yes. he was reusing a lot of unused Legion of Superheroes ideas yeah, for the X-Men. Because he was the artist on Legion of Superheroes after Mike Grell. Okay. When Mike Grell came up. Like, that's okay. where like, the two of them were first really known, you know, became known on their pencils. I'm going to say... Because, in fact, the Imperial Guard... Yeah, you're right. He used we'll see, Nightcrawler we'll was a reused concept from Legion that he didn't get approved. In fact, the Imperial Guard is basically the Legion. Yeah, yeah. It's like their version of the... It's like the Just League is the uh, Squadron Supreme. Right, and the Imperial Guard the is the, the, the League of Superheroes. Okay, yeah. Legion. Legion. So, uh, so it's Captain Marvel. Busts through the door. Brack, and he's got a badass face on, and his hair is flying up in a vaguely amusing way. And he is not happy. He is not happy. Happy. And then we get a nice little recap of the issue. Uh-huh. Exactly what happened. And I'm trying And to... now I have to figure out here because in a couple of pages it becomes clear that Luann is in fact contrite and feels bad for her role in the deception. But here in the first panel on page two, she is still like sort of posing all sassy and defiant. She looks so. kind of, yeah, she's like, huh, whatever. You know, and hot. But oh, I'm sorry, yes. was that my hot no, no, but I gotta... <laughs> can't argue with her. Actually, the best part is he breaks in, and then him and Rick have a little conversation with themselves mm-hmm. in their head. So, I can just imagine how it would look. He breaks in the door, she turns around, looks at him, and he basically just stares at her for like five minutes. <laughs> it's basically like... Uh, I'm what picturing a, like Powdered Toast Man. <laughs> I'm thinking of like one of the filler episodes of Dragon Ball Z, where they just kind of like, you know, punch once or twice and then stare at each other for 20 minutes. While, while your super cyan energy grows. Yeah, just screaming and yelling for like three minutes of screaming and staring. Yes. Three minutes of screaming and staring. Okay, we can go to commercial now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we get, the, we get the recap page there. And then we actually get... Um, now, once again, I'm going to, uh, as I did in the last episode, um, once again, I am going to take it to Mike Friedrich, who... Now, in this issue, unlike last issue, which was just credited to Mike Friedrich as the writer... Yes, and Starlin this issue, the penciler. This issue, it says plot and art by Jim Starlin, with only the script by Friedrich. So I'm going to have to... But I'm going to have to call a spade a spade, and throughout this issue, I'm going to be sticking it. Mike Friedrich's uh, scripting, his dialogue, is not good. Um, his his Because I'm looking here, I've moved on to page three, and Luann says... Uh, I have been expecting you and your questions. It's, that's not natural. I'm sorry. Just no. No, no, no. 
Now, I'm trying to remember, by the way, I can't remember from reading the earlier issues, if she knew about Rick. I guess she, no, I guess she did mm-hmm. know about Rick and Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Because right here she says, I'm assuming you're talking to Rick. Yes, yes. No, I do not know. I did not read the earlier issues, so I sort of came st- into this. I don't remember that being explicitly said in earlier issues, but I guess it, she does. And now here's my thing. Right here, panel, th- uh, panel three. She says, Titan to be exact, a world ruled by, mo- ruled by a monster named Thanos. So right there, and then it's right. all about how Boom. Thanos is the, the dictator. So we kind of know right away. Now, part of me goes, well, you're, you know, Stalin was the plotter. But to be fair, if you just said dictator, there was a dictator, and you don't give mm-hmm. the name, mm-hmm. you do, you know, you don't need to have Thanos' name in the page. So I'm not really sure who is to blame mm-hmm. for the reveal that it's because I mean, if you didn't know who Thanos, who Thanos is, yeah. If you're reading this, you got to go. Oh, well, that must be the bad guy. Because why the hell else is she telling the story? Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, the, the bad guy must be someone named Thanos. Whether you read, read Iron Man fifty five at the time, you went, oh, I remember him, or you didn't. You're like, oh, that must be the bad guy. So why are they still holding him in shadow? Unless, of course, it was Mike. Fried, you know, Jim Sterling didn't intend for the name to be said. He just said Dick. You know, told right? Him exactly. Exactly. And Mike spilled the beans. But I'm not sure. I, I have a feeling this is one of those in- instances, uh, I, we speak about it all the time on my, one of my other podcasts, uh, this is one of those instances where the Marvel method, which I believe was still in effect at this point in, in Might have been it, that he, because he just gave been pencils. And where, then... where the plotter, where the artist and the, and the scripter, where they're, um, they were working at cross purposes to each other, and unfortunately most of the time when that was the case, it was the scripter who got his way and was able to Bigfoot all the best laid plans of the of the because artist. it would be the, whoever was the plotter would say this is a plot uh-huh. and then the artist would draw it in this case it was the same guy so he he just talked to himself right and then he would give it to the scripter and the scripter would script and then it would go to the, <coughs> go to everyone else right so yeah he had the, the feeders had the last last say so it could have been his fault but anyway the basic premise is Thanos is ruler of t- Titan mm-hmm. which is funny because about a month ago he wasn't and now he is right so 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 That's he pretty, is, and he's already raised an army yes of 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 Badoon and Archon among many others yes and now he wants to rule the earth uh, rule the world sorry universe yes and he's starting with earth and he's using some earth villain they don't say who but he used some kind of discs on the people's back now it is my understanding them. that this particular villain it is not this is not his first go round the controller the controller he had yeah. faced Iron Man he's an Iron Man villain so so, so we would so a, a regular reader of Marvel comics would probably at this point start to get an inkling of who we're dealing with yes. here and apparently his plan is to control world leaders and therefore control the world okay and apparently Luan said that's how if he can control the big guys you can control little people like mm-hmm. me so and then she tries to shoot Marvel and mm-hmm. of course now she's calls for help and now Rick isn't as pissed because Rick before is like beat the wants to punch her he wants to kill her and this is not a this is again this is not a good melding of art and script because you know she pulls out the gun in the first panel in the second panel is when she says like lord help me me like she says i'm being controlled like yeah. that, that so already there that the, the the timing and the sync of the art and the script is like off in my brain and then she fires and then you hear Rick say, watch out, Marvell. She's betraying you now. Like, none of this works together. And again, I'm putting this squarely at the feet of Mike, of Mike Friedrich. So Now, one thing I'm saying, because I'm not on the next page now, mm-hmm. I like a lot of... One of the things Starlin's doing here a lot is we're seeing things happen, and that, like mm-hmm. the regular panel, but we're also seeing panels showing the scrolls watching them on the right. view screen. Right. And that's pretty cool, the way they're doing that. 
Um, so that's that, that that that's pretty cool. Because um, now Rick's sorry for you know Rick realizes oh she's in control, being controlled, and then we find out that actually even the story about her saying they're not controlling me now, but they have that's why I yeah. betrayed you. Is actually them still controlling her? Right. They can doesn't control everything. Only specific actions and and words. I don't want to be this way. Help me, please. I love this though. So at that point, Marvel says, "Hear that, Rick? What's your feelings now?" After Rick has been bitching and moaning inside his head the entire time, and Rick is just like silence. And I'm He's just like, like uh, I, I thought so. And I'm like, yes, stick it to that loudmouth little punk. Except we find out the loudmouth little punk was more or less right. I don't want the little mild enough little punk but to be is, right. Because he's hugging her now. Yeah. And we see Scrag say, mm-hmm. Little suspects Rick Jones. We do dictate her every word and deed. Right, Even right, Even her right. pretense not to be completely controlled. So while he is a little incorrect on motivation right. of her wanting to betray him. Right, exactly. He is correct in to not trust her. No, 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 absolutely, but I'm saying, given that he's like, you know, the warm, loving shift shafted me last night, and... Well, that's just his hurt feeling. Right, no, that's his hurt feeling, but he's like, she's betraying us again, you know, and it's like, no, there's something else going on here, Rick, how about you shut the hell up? Yeah, oh yeah, and that part, well, they're both right in that, basically they're both right, Rick is right in the fact that I not trust her. Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel's right in the fact that it's like, Rick, shut up and calm down. It's not all about you. But he's, what, 17, like we said, 18. Mm-hmm. Hormones flying. He meets a chick. This might be the first one he's been with. Right. No, that's fair. That's but, you fair. Know, the first girl he's, you know, uh-huh. been with. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know? Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah, she yeah. Go, yeah. She a goer. She a goer. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Natch, natch, wink, wink. Because not as good as a wink to a blind bite. Hey, what? <laughs> Is your wife a goer? Hey? Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Natch, natch. Know what I mean? Say no more. Then all of a sudden, now she's betraying him. Mm-hmm. Oh, he is gonna be pissed. That's. I mean, no, the only thing worse would be if he got came in there and she's in bed with Tony Stark. Feelings run high, which is entirely possible. That's why feelings I said that. Run, <laughs> feelings run high. I admit it. So now we move on to a little uh, scene with uh, Thanos and his dysfunctional crew. Now I have to point out at this point, I sort of love this because at first my thought was, Th- does Thanos not vet his? help because never like because Thanos is like he's sitting here and and the super skull is repeatedly sabotaging his efforts by thinking we do not need brains only brawn to achieve our ends and meanwhile Scrag is like no no my my schemes and plots will and and is Thanos not saying you are both like screwing up my entire plan here but then I'm thinking no because Thanos is arrogant enough to think that he can control what these guys do and it actually makes double sense to me because I just want to point out that right now uh, as, as, as of this uh, uh, recording I am uh, watching and very much enjoying the final season of one of my favorite shows Justified and one of the things that repeatedly happens on that show is these would-be little criminal uh, bosses in yeah. the crime bosses in the hills of Kentucky repeatedly surround themselves with redneck losers that are repeatedly the downfalls of their plans. But you need muscle. Yeah. You need. You need. And you kind of got to go with what you have in the area. Right. And you go with what you have access to. And you also definitely think these guys might be idiots. But I can, if, if I can make them do what I want them to do, then my plan will come out right. So, and so in hindsight, it's like not only am I buying this, but I'm kind of really entertained by the utter dysfunctionality of this little like villain clan that we're seeing here of Scrag, the Super Scroll, and Thanos. I have to get back. 
back to Justified. I think I lost track after the third season. I need to get back to watching. I One of my show. favorite shows, and this last season is so far proving to be as good as the rest, if not better. Just everything you like about Justified, the attitude, the 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 dialogue, best dialogue on TV. Well, that's why. It's all. That's why Elmore there. Leonard is one of my top five favorite writers. Yes, I mean because that's his character. Yeah, Ray Raylan Givens. Oh, love him. <laughs> right up of Heinlein and uh... Heinlein's good. Heinlein's good. Uh, uh, John Scalzi, great writer. Oh my God, Al! Oh, you can cut this out, but oh my God, if you like Robert Heinlein, if you like uh, Robert Heinlein, which Robert Heinlein? Um, like the juveniles, Robert Heinlein. Okay. you know, if you dig on like classic Heinlein, not crazy, you know, I like both. libertarian tinfoil hat wearing. I Heinlein. like. I like. Well, I don't know if it's tinfoil hat so much as I want to fuck everything that moves. Yes, well, that too. Yes, oh my God, Friday. We're not even going to get into that. But um, here's my point: is if you like that even a little, read Old Man's War by John Scalzi. Okay, I've looked for that. And and move on from there. You trust me. You will thank me. Every single person I have pimped that book out to has thanked me. Right, Not just said, it "Hey, it was good." They have said, "Dude, I am, I am, I trust me." Old Man's War by John Scalzi and Gregory McDonald. No, I have Fletch. not yet. I have not yet read Gregory and Gregory McDonald. If so. you like the first Fletch, okay, it's very much like that. Fletch lives. Mm-hmm. Not, not so that. much. That's, okay. Anyway, fair enough. But anyway, back to back to. So we got the. Uh, Super Scroll basically setting up the plan, which is to piss off the thing. Right, exactly. He goes and he basically tweaks the thing's nose. Yeah, he basically burns his clothes and says, "You want me? Come here to this. Here's the address where I'm staying." Right, exactly. And the the uh, and that's the best part is, and this is a great. I like the way that this looks is here. the good thing. This is the really good thing. Yeah, it looks great here, and I like mm-hmm. this. Why that crummy rat? He's got to be setting me up for a trap, and he thinks he got, I'm going to fall for it. He's, He's freaking, freaking right. That love is that. Ben Grimm, because Ben Grimm's like, yeah, I can handle it. Yeah, no, That's I his love plan. this. That, ben see Grimm's that, plan, the fact nine that, times out of ten, is, I can handle it. The fact that he's not... <laughs> blows that, through. That is great thing. When I am a big Fantastic Four fan. Bigger Fantastic Four fan now than I ever used to be. I used to kind of like them, but since I read the Kirby run and the Wade run... And have have made uh, started to make inroads into the burn run. I'm just starting to read the burn run now. Um, now I'm a big Fantastic Four fan, and to me, the Fantastic Four work the best when everybody is truest to their characters. And for me, Ben Grimm, he's not an idiot. He's not a rocket scientist, but he's not an idiot. So when he's smart like this, but still goes in, that's primo Ben Grimm, and I love it. He's not an idiot, but he's also there's a bit of an ego, but also proved a proven yeah. ego. It's like yeah, I can probably handle whatever's coming. Really, there's only two people on the entire Marvel Universe planet Earth that are more like capable of handling themselves in any situation than the Thing, and that's pretty much the Hulk and Thor. Ah, uh, well, heroes. I was gonna. Th- I was actually thinking Juggernaut, but you're right, Thor. Yeah, yeah. So, but and, and but the yeah, last those, thing I want to point those out, three are the people you're like. Yeah, I can see you just barging through. Like he's number three on the power chart. Like any way you slice it, you know. Yeah, because this is pre Wolverine, and then also pre Wolverine, where I, he can come back from one cell after a time. I, I know, I know. But <sighs> here, here's anyway. the thing. Here's the thing. The other thing I want to mention is <laughs> where, where the thing says he's freaking right. I did not realize a that the word freaking was in use in such a way, and b that you could get away with using it in the Comics Code approved comic book in 1973 both of those things were surprises to me yeah, well this is around the time when they were relaxing a bit because i'm pretty sure yeah too much dracula was started already so they had relaxed okay. on their whole horror thing because remember right they originally in the comics code you could not use 
anything like that. Right. Pretty much anything right. supernatural was out. Yeah. And that's why Morbius was the living vampire. Right. Because he could not be an actual vampire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Tomb of Dracula, I'm pretty sure, started in 72. Mm-hmm. Which, if no one's ever read that, go check out the first essential Tomb of Dracula. Oh. And I say, check out the essential. Because... Forgetting a few times where Marvel Universe stuff like the Silver Surfer or Doctor Strange appears, mm-hmm. and I think maybe Spider-Man one issue, mm-hmm. for the most part, it's on its own. It's self-contained. And, and it's this great little, like, 70s vampire, you know, period vampire story. And the black and white makes Gene Colan's art look even better. Some of the, I'm reading it in color myself. I have it in black and white, but I prefer just to read it in color for whatever reason. I have to say, I, A, I don't necessarily disagree with Al, though. The artwork works beautifully in black and white. B, Gene Colan's art, some of the best yes. of, of the 70s, hands down. And who, but it's a good story, too. Who was, I believe it was Archie Goodwin was writing it. Marv Wolfman. Marv Wolfman There was, was a lot it. of writers in the first five or six issues. Okay. Like, Gardner Fox is one of them. Okay, yes. Possibly yes, yes. Archie Goodwin, maybe Roy Thomas. I forget. Like, I think either it, Roy it, Thomas or Archie Goodwin wrote the first it issue. It jumps around yeah. like those first few issues, but then Marv Wolfman settles in by like issue nine or ten. Uh-huh. It's Marv Wolfman's book. Yeah. And it's him and Gene Cole and poof, and all the way and, and, it, and it's just one of the high one of the high points of nineteen seventy like right up there with the O'Neill Adams Batman. Yeah. And um, you know, the Claremont Byrne X Men. It's like exactly. just in terms of high it's watermarks just, for the decade. It's just its own little world of horror. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it, it's definitely in the seventies. But since there's so little like only a few times mm-hmm. does it deal with the actual Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. In fact, the really only times there's actually and there's like one or two crossovers, mm-hmm. but they're like with Frankenstein's monster and the werewolf by night. So right, that exactly. doesn't matter. You know, it's a it's a werewolf. Who cares? The only, the only um, um, crossover that I'm personally aware of, except for that one time that Dracula turned up in uh, Marvel Team Up, was um, actually just last night. I was reading X Men Annual Number Six from 1982. Yes, but that's after, right? But that's you know Dracula so that, turns up there. Yeah, so. but at least that's after, so you don't have to worry about it. With right, this exactly. Story. But so yeah. anyway, but but Dracula's neither good. here nor there. Yes. So uh, now now so we've got this plan. To lure the thing to this address. Where Luann happens to tell Rick to go. Yes. Oh, hey, you want to go there. Well, he tells he tells her to go to the Avengers because mm-hmm. they can take care of the disc. Mm-hmm. So at least he's smart. Mm-hmm. He's not mm-hmm. just, we can handle it all ourselves. It's go to where you can get help. Mm-hmm. So, and now the plan all comes together. And they, they pull off this little uh, alien technology jiggery-jew where they take the thing's voice away. Yes. And I like how the Super Skull, the next page is like... Why the hell are you doing that? It has nothing to do with his voice. It's what his good power. have you done, Scrag? The things, like, like he is that stupid in yes. this inca- incarnation, as it were. Yeah, like I said, he is just—he is a thug. Mm-hmm. He is a dumb thug. And sadly, I do also have to say that Starlin's art is still evolving here because while the thing was well rendered a couple of pages ago, here on um, on this uh, page where where he He's right there he meets yeah, yeah he basically looks like a bl- an orange blood brother yeah yeah so like I said. But on the other hand, the Rick Jones panel, like two panels before, I uh-huh. love that one. Mm-hmm. So, so now the Super Scroll. So now that they're fighting, the, each thinking the other is the Super Scroll. Yeah, and they're fighting, and they're fighting, and they're fighting, and, and this the fact is the, the thing realizes pretty quickly. I mean, yeah. like we said, giving him credit mm-hmm. right away, he's getting punched by Marvel, who mm-hmm. calls him a scroll. He's like, "What does he mean, I'm a scroll?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "You know, the best part is though the thing." His Where only we man. was both set up. He again, he figures it out pretty quick. He's got street smarts that. That's because he listen. He can um, hear Marvel talk, and Marvel. To be fair, Marvel can't hear the thing. Because the thing can't say his crap. Aunt Petunia's favorite nephew ain't no dummy. Exactly. Although I like how Ben's thought is 
You know, there's only one way to deal with, to stop this, and that's to beat him up. Yeah, exactly. As opposed you know? to you know maybe going. Putting his hands up, going surrender. Yeah, you know, no. I mean, you can't say surrender, but like, going, and I ain't never yet stopped from using it. Maybe that'll not sense it to him. Yes, or okay, but okay, so maybe he's a little bit of a dummy. Yeah, but well, like I said, that, that's his. You know the saying of when when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Right, and he's that's... the thing. He, it's what he does. He clobbers. And that's a little bit of, of what Captain Marvel's getting at here too, which I do not like. Um, he goes on a lot about this, like. Okay, just because I was talking a little bit about it in the last episode, the, the history of Captain Marvel as a character and how we really both enjoyed the early uh, run from the 60s where he was Dr. Lawson and the whole bit with Jan Rogg and Carol Danvers well, on the Because he's very much like base. an anti-hero there. Right, and he's that was really... very interesting storytelling. Ever since he became like blue, yellow, red uniform Captain Marvel, he goes on and on and on, his motive, like, like his justification. And... I know you might say I'm reading too much into it, but frankly, I see it said enough that it's like this lazy storytelling out for these writers at this point. He constantly says things like, well, I'm going to do this because I was raised a warrior of the Korea and we, this is what we do. And so this whole like code that he keeps putting forward of the warrior code of the Kree insists that I fight whenever I'm presented the opportunity to fight and I never try to think a reason or, or, or talk my way out of a situation. And that is the excuse we're going to use to lead to eight pages of fisticuffs. It's like, I think that's lazy storytelling. It makes him a less attractive character to me, a less appealing character to me. And we're going to get into that in a few issues of Captain Marvel where they really rejigger the character and his motivation to make him the completely Jim Starlin Captain Marvel. But that's a few issues away. Okay. I just want to say, he brings that, it up here. I was assuming it was, there was going to be some change coming up pretty soon for him. Because... Right, but at this point, I see it invoked enough that it is very much a defining aspect of his character, and it's one that I do not like. And I just wanted to get that on the record. Okay. So. Um, fighty, 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 fighty. We fight and fight and fight and fight and fight and fight and fight some more. We fight and fight. <laughs> it's clobbering time. It's clobbering time. And guess who's getting clobbered? It's Captain Marvel. Yeah. Because uh, the thing is, well, the thing. The thing is, well, uh, you know, it's like I see where they're trying to make it go on. You know, it's like I, I still don't, I'm not sure that I, when the thing grocks the fact that this is in fact really Captain Marvel and that he's fighting the thing because they took his voice away and that's making him think that it's not really the thing. He thinks he's a scroll or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking, you know, I get that they're trying to find a way to keep the fight going. This is just one more chapter in the ongoing saga of Marvel finding reasons for uh, misunderstandings to generate fights between its uh, uh, name brand superheroes. Yeah. Because uh, that's always a big seller and they want to make it happen. And so obviously they're trying to generate X number of pages of Captain Marvel and the thing actually fighting. That said, this did to me seem to be a somewhat forced way of prolonging the fight when I think even the thing, he even appears to contemplate it briefly where he's saying, you know, man, if he just like holds up his hands, whoa, 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 it's, it's, it's really yeah. near whatever, you know, some sort of accord but could be, be reached without the beating the crap out of each other going on. But to be fair, I could actually see Ben Grimm, personality wise, I could see Ben Grimm 
just barreling through anyway. Well, right. I mean, and he does sort of, they sort of do that with the thought balloons here where he's like, yeah, the cosmic rays, they made me ugly, they, but they also gave me strong, strength and I've never refrained from using my strength. So here we go. Biff, bop, bam. And it's like you said whack, earlier on. You know, crunch. You know, the super scroll. It must be a trap. Uh-huh. And I'm going to go right into it. Right, exactly. And so that kind of does fit with... I don't know. Well, I still feel like as if, if he had the thought that I should find some peaceful way to maybe keep him from beating on me and doesn't even like try to take it. He just decides, nah, I'll just keep fighting instead. It just seemed to me to be a slightly forced uh, mechanic by which to prolong the fight. But just that's just my opinion. Yeah, no, that's fine. I can go a little bit either way with him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, if it was Human Torch... He's just fighting. Right, exactly. Johnny, not that bright. And if it's Reed and Sue, I'd be kind of surprised if they just tried fighting. Right, exactly. Ben could go a little bit on both ways. I'm, right. But, so I'm fine with him going with the fighting still. But okay. if he did try to go, hey, I could see that too with his characterization. Right. But especially since he's, they already showed he's pissed off enough with the Super Skull, he's going to go right into the trap. Yeah. I'm kind of going along with the thing of the, he just is like, friggin' hell. And just... Mm-hmm. Ah, great. Now i got to knock this guy out to knock some sense. i got to knock sense into this guy. Yeah. And therefore, he's knocking sense into him. Um, so, okay, so moving along. I do like... I, I am liking Sterling's fight scenes. So he's doing yeah. some... From last issue from this one, he's doing some interesting stuff. It's not just punch, punch, punch. Mm-hmm. It's different moves. It's holds. Good fight choreography. You're right. Like um, that last panel where he grabs the thing by the ridges around his head. Yeah. And chucks him. Although I thought he was originally when I first read, it, I thought he was going to try and like knee him in the face. And 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 there's a there's a panel here on the bottom of this page. There are no page numbers, so I do not know which page we're uh, dealing with here. But um, there's the panel at the bottom of this page is a, is is a page wide uh, shot where Captain Marvel is, is very classic flying hero pose coming at the thing through the hole in the wall, and the thing is you know braced to meet him on the other side. And it's like that's a very well composed bit of comic book art really yeah. nice sort of panel really nicely put together panel but you're right starlin's fight choreography and by extension his visual storytelling is 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 very accomplished which is why we're we're, we're here doing this yes. this podcast in a way because he is he he, he was even from the get-go good enough yeah. that uh his stuff was worth common com- oh yeah commentary yeah even if i would say even if you're not a fan of starlin's stories mm-hmm. his layout page layouts mm-hmm. and like you said choreography and stuff is you know, should at least be appreciated because it's not just the same thing over and over. He does different things. He does, you know, you have times where he'll break through the panel borders or right. move things around. Exactly. Do something different. In a way, he's doing that right here at the top of this page where the where the thing gets thrown through the wall and the panel actually ends uh, about... The, the panel actually only takes up about the rightmost two-thirds and the, of the page is just white. Where, where the rest of is sort of out of panel and the, the thing is flying into that white Almost space. Almost like he's being knocked out of the page. Out of the page. And that's really dynamic yeah. and very cool. That is very cool. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, Master Lord's flunkies. He's threatening Scrag. Scrag, Scrag with, his, uh, with, his, with his evil scroll eye patch. Yes. <laughs> or is it an eye patch or is it like some sort of like, you know, cybernetic, like vision enhancing thing? I don't know. But it makes him look all piratical and, 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 and evil. It makes it look, it, it actually does look like something from like Dragon Ball Z to see what power level they're at. <laughs> so... And, of course, more fighty, fighty, fighty. Fighty, Another fighty. page of fighting. Another page. And I always loved this. When, when, um, when, 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 
floors get ripped up, and here the thing does the classic. He rips the metal flooring and up, he shakes it and like a it wave. Buckles, and it like it's a wave of bendy metal, and it's like <laughs> wow. You know, because on the one hand, I guess aluminum bends, but the steel bend like that? I don't know. So, but, you know, as you point out, this is just more really good fight choreography. And here, this page, you know, the, the, the things ripping up of the floor ends with the entire building collapsing around them. And so you've got, like, all the timbers of the framing, I guess, sort of in... in Crashing in down on Marvel. Pieces, and Marvel's hand is corpse-like, like reaching up out of the rubble. And it's like, wow, is this the end for our hero? It's like, clearly, you know, it can't be. You know, well, it's so like, the issue's not even over yet. The issue's not even over. <laughs> and really, I cannot imagine even the most naive, most credulous reader thinking to themselves oh my god the thing has just killed Captain Marvel yeah he hasn't killed the human torch yet why would he kill this guy right exactly so um, <laughs> and he has plenty of reason to kill the human torch he's a pain in the ass well really oh my god he, Johnny's had it coming many times over the years I actually um, actually just read uh, reread uh, Alias in its entirety in preparation for AK Jessica Jones which I'm so excited for yes um, so I read uh, I binged Alias and the Pulse, front to back in about two days. Oh wow! It was and it was it was it still top five for me. It's like Jessica's Jessica's story is so awesome, so well told, and so great. But anyway, I guess the reason I bring it up is because there's the point in the Pulse where Jessica goes to visit. I'm sorry, not the Pulse. Uh, in uh, Alias, the last volume of Alias, where Jessica goes to visit. Uh, have lunch with Carol Danvers and Sue Storm, and she oh, yeah. goes to the Baxter Building to meet Sue for lunch. And of course, she walks in, and this was 2003, I think, that this yeah. was being published. And the first thing she sees is the thing chasing the torch down the hallway because the torch did something stupid and adolescent to the thing. And it's nice to know that some things never change. I like to think. Because usually the thing just tries to clobber him, and yeah. he knows he's not really going to clobber, clobber him. Right, right. Even though he's, he, has, he has threatened on many occasions to moiter the little yes. punk. I like to think the thing set him up with Dory Evans first. <laughs> oh, ouch. As someone who has read Strange Tales, I would just like to go on record as saying that would, then maybe the thing has it coming. <laughs> well, no, I'd like to think that's his revenge. That oh, was, I that see, was his, I see. That was his real revenge. That was his true revenge. Okay, I see what you're saying. Here's uh, Dory. Meet this girl, Dory. Yeah, here's Doris. Have fun, kid. She's she's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's not a shrew at all. She's no, not a monster. No, no. Anyway, back anyway, to back, back to Captain Marvel. So they're still fighting, and um, Captain Marvel has not been uh, KO'd by the falling uh, no, architecture. He, the falling architecture helped him because he found the big old uh, electrical, electrical wire cable and he picks it up and he just rams it into Ben's chest and oh my yes, god. because I've got a present for you. A thousand volts, volts of, of death. Because he still thinks this is a Skrull and he is yeah. going to kill this Skrull. Because he's Kree. Because he is Kree and, and he that's what they do. is going to Skrulls. To go. Now, Not the I whole just, fighting man thing from the last episode, but just the whole Kree Skrull thing. Want, I want to make a point here because whether by accident or design, this is a hugely important moment that we won't really be able to discuss why it's hugely, hugely important for another few episodes. It, the, the, the cause of the things of erectile dysfunction? Not the cause. Things erectile dysfunction. Although he is orange, like uh, no, not orange, but uh, clearly a Cialis user, not a Viagra user. I'm sorry, that's just I didn't even need to go down that rabbit hole. Thank you so much, Al. 
Anyway, no, but in my favorite from personal experience, you'd be able to talk about. And I'm, 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 I'm going. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave this podcast. And He's going to mortar gonna, this guy. And then you're going. And then you're going to have no one to podcast with but John Wilson. And that might actually be a good thing for the podcast. But you'll, you'll be sad. You'll miss me when I'm gone. No, no, no. no. So, okay, back to reality. So getting back to reality that does not involve a discussion of the thing's junk, because this isn't mall rats, as you point out, um, this is a hugely important moment uh, because Captain Marvel, and I'm wondering if this is Starlin pouring uh, 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 plotting words into the ear of Mike Friedrich. No, this is plotting, because he plotted this issue, yes. right? Friedrich is just scripting at this point. So yep. this is... I already... I see the hand of Starlin beginning to establish what's going to become a hugely important and very early 70s sort of character arc for Marvel that we're going to see pay out, play out, and, and pay off in, what, like two or three issues. Um, and we'll discuss it when we get to it. But I just, I'm just saying... For when we get to that issue and that discussion, I want us to note and remember this panel here where Captain Marvel's response in a fight with what he thinks is a scroll is, is a thousand volts of death. His response is lethal. Yes. His response is terminal. I just need that to be on the record for when we get to the later issue. Okay. Okay. Noted. Okay. <laughs> you think I made my point forcefully enough? You had a point? I, I th- th- uh, that's, that's, I'm sorry, were you talking? I was busy ignoring you. Uh, <laughs> and it works because the thing is... The, the, I love it because the, 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 the balloon from uh, Scrag says, The thing is down. And I just, I just keep hearing in my head, Down goes Frasia! Down goes Frasia! <laughs> <laughs> it's very like, you know, it, it, it does sort of give you the sense of how, like... While these while these 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 superhero fights were presented as so earth shattering and monumental, at the same time, they were superhero fights in comic books. So on some cultural level, they were on the same sort of footing as a boxing match or a yeah. wrestling match. Exactly. You know? So you could you could have this sort of ding ding, you know, like fight night, you know, fight of the week Round sort three. of thing. Yeah, exactly. Does that make Scrag the Ring Girl? <laughs> Ugly as, yeah, I know. Ugly as, uh, uh, now, 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 now we'll talk about my erectile dysfunction. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> ugliest ring girl in the history of, of, of boxing, if so. Anyway. So, yeah, so Marvel's out ready to kill him because he's not dead. Mm-hmm. He's, he's just down. But he grabs a big, nice, sharpie piece of metal mm-hmm. that's conveniently mm-hmm. there. But uh-huh. since they knocked most of the building down and ripped up floors, I guess that's why. Yeah, no, shrapnel and, and, and it, exposed... Uh, uh, g- girders and, and, and shreds of metal are, are believable, yes. And he's going to jam it right through the ch- thing's body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A and, life for a life. And I like, especially these last four panels of him about to, like, the you know, mm-hmm. give a little tension mm-hmm, without, mm-hmm. you know, making it 12 pages of, you know, trying to throw it at you. It's, I mean, it is still, it is still a lot of, of, of... Com- decompressed time here on this page. A lot of speechifying and hesitating on the part of Marvel because he goes, you know, I mean, he feels the need to inform the, you know, the scroll. I use I use well, quotes around the air quotes. He thinks it's a specific scroll. He right. thinks it's super scroll. Right, right. Not There's only else. one law for your foul kind scroll: an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. And now, murderer, you die. And it's like, like, and and you're still at this point. You're just like, well, that just. 
kill him already. It's like, but that said, I'm one. He says a life for a life, and I'm curious: is there a specific life he's talking Professor about? Savannah. Professor Savannah. Okay, that's they, what I thought. Because he either thinks it's a Super Scroll or Scrag, and okay. they're the ones who killed the professor. Right. Exactly. So. Exactly. And so he goes down. Now you die, you know. And oh my God, has he done? Is you know, is here in the pages of Captain Marvel number twenty six has the thing. One of the very first uh, Marvel Comics characters finally met his end. That could happen, right? That's totally likely. Sure, I believe it. Oh, he's not. Nope. And he he missed. And now we reach another pivotal moment, again, in the character arc to which I referred earlier, where Captain Marvel says, I can't do it. I've never killed even a hated enemy so coldly. And actually, that is true. Let us think back to the very origins of Captain Marvel back in Marvel superheroes uh, in the late 60s, you know, when he was all blue with the the helmet and everything. And the fact is, even from the very, very get-go, his character was established at being odds with the rest of his Kree compatriots because of his very seemingly different code of ethics. Yeah, he did have a bit more. He, I mean, he did kill in, in battle. He he would absolutely when in, go and in be, war. He and would kill, wage war. But he didn't jump. He wasn't the one. Just like you didn't see him killing them when the guy back was turned. Or right, the exactly. Guy, if the guy surrendered, he didn't just start shooting the guy anyway. He always had a much more uh, uh, honorable code of ethics. Absolutely. So that's good to see, you know. But again, this is all sort of coming. We're all getting a picture, and this is all very much the the the. The, the psychological material, not to get not to get too too dry about it, but this is very much the um, emotional psychological the character meat that Starlin wants to be dealing with he doesn 't just want to give you twenty two pages of punch him up every month, yeah. he has something he wants to he look a, at he has examine um, talk about, and he is already here in his first issue as a plotter he is already bringing it up. Um, Laying the groundwork, and I, I give him bad props for that. And I do love how apparently the electricity brought back the, the voice of the thing because yeah, right away yeah. he starts bitching at him. Yep. Yeah, he's on in his, in his, in his and way. And now I got my jawbone back. I want to. Cl- no, he's not. He's not a dum dum dugan. He's not southern. You know. Yeah. Um, and now I got my jawbone back. I want to clear a couple of things up. Or we can just start all over again. I like, you know. Yeah, like, that's the thing. That is Benji. And we love, you know. It's like, great, you're not going to kill me and my voice back. Mm, Now I'm going to start griping at you. Yeah, ever-loving blue-eyed. And he can grip. For a guy who is so powerful and and has a reputation of thinking with his fists, he sure can bitch with the best of them, can he? Ben Grimm is a champion moaner. He was he was he was a fan of the Cure from when they started. Yeah, see, seriously, you know, he was a fan of the Cure before the Cure was dude, born. No, that is absolutely true. Has there ever been as emo? Uh, and now I'm really going to go all. Actually, over. I think I just has stole there that ever from... been as emo a a comic book panel as the splash page of this man, this monster. Actually, I think because I was listening catch up on Fantastic Cast, and I, uh-huh. I remember I listened to that one very recently, and uh-huh. I think they even mentioned. I think that's where I got. I think that I got the idea from for the Cure. I think they mentioned that he was a fan of the Cure before. The crew even was around. Yeah, before any of them had even been born, because holy macaroni, that was like, he's standing in the rain, woe is me, nobody, no one understands what it's like to be an orange rocky monster. 
I wonder yeah. how does he do his eyeliner? Yeah. Well, here and 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 his and his his mouth is all anyway. Well, that's that's just artistic and anyway. Anything. So Scrag does not look happy because mm-hmm. he's like, uh oh. Uh, no, the electro charge, the electric charge must have counteracted the thing's vocal paralysis. My plan has. Failed. And Master Lord is not very happy. And here we see Master Lord from the back. We're beginning to see who can it be? Who? Who? Doctor Doom? Maybe. Oh, by the way, I'm just curious though. Why would we do that whole story about Thanos early in the issue? Hmm. Hmm. Yes, because he's still. Whether he, I know who Thanos is or not, not, he's only appeared really once before in the right, 1955. Right. Why would we do this story about this alien lord called Thanos? And and now we have this mysterious scene only from the back with a Jawa. I mean, death behind him. Uh, <laughs> So I, that is that is how death is being drawn here. Now, admittedly, this is four years prior. Pr- but it does look Star like a Jawa, Wars, yeah. But it's a hooded figure. The face is entirely shadowed, or with only two yellow lights where the eyes should be, and that's what we're Except seeing. Except for the purple cloak, it looks like a Jawa. Except right, instead of brown. And so I will say here, I am not blaming Friedrich for ruining the surprise about Thanos because Starlin should not have drawn or plotted in yeah. the whole Thanos origin. Yeah. Beginning of the issue. And if he's plotting and drawing this out, then he's, he's the one choosing to, quote-unquote, keep Master Lord's identity a secret. Absolutely. Exactly. This is so entirely... That's on, so that one is on Starlin, not uh, Friedrich. Cause Absolutely. Like, what, if you want to make a surprise, tell us all the guy's origin after you reveal who he is. If you're going to tell us all about some bad guy... And you're not going to tell us why, but you also have a mysterious bad guy you're not showing us. Chances are it's the same guy. Uh-huh. You do the reveal first... Then his origin. <laughs> and and this is very cold-blooded because here at Master Lord, this is very cold-blooded. And this is, I'm, it's amazing what, we, we have we have a view of the comics code as so repressive and so concerned well, with the sensibilities of its tender young readers. And here, Master Lord just basically says what, what you, uh, to Scrag, you know, what your life failed to accomplish maybe can be achieved with your death. Boom. And it's like right there. It's just, and he's like, no, no, I, I. But maybe he's able to get away with it because of how they do it. He doesn't kill him, quote-unquote. Yeah. He gets turned to stone. Yeah. Which... You're right. That's fantastic enough. So it's a way to get around it, Mm -hmm. but yet still accomplish it. My question is now... Because this is my first time reading these Captain Marvels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And actually, I haven't had a chance to read past. So I've only read up to 26. Mm-hmm, I haven't mm-hmm. read 27 on. So you don't know what's coming. Not, I mean, I have an idea. Okay. From everything else I've ever read. Right, right, right. Because you have read the Starlinverse stuff before, just not this particular line But not line this one. But I, haven't, I know what happens for mm-hmm. the most part. I know the overarching story, but I, know, I don't know all the details. Doesn't that remind you of what happens to Thanos at the end mm-hmm. of... Whatever issue that is, Marvel two and one, or Marvel two and one annual number two, which is the end of the whole Thanos Warlock thing yeah. from the seventies until they come back in the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. So I'm looking. I'm like, I'm. I'm I want to pay attention to see if that happens more mm-hmm. in this run because is that a thing about Thanos? Is that why they made him into stone? Is there like th- there's something about it? Because I just was like, oh, okay, he tur- Thanos turned to stone when he died, mm-hmm. but now here he does that to Scrag, and I'm like. Is there like more? Is the, I gotta find out. There's more reasoning to it. Like, mm-hmm. is there more to it? When I read twenty-seven to thirty-three, what I learned? Oh, that's why he did the stone. Starlin turned to stone. There's more to it. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping there's more to it, and not just ooh, he turned that guy to stone once. Before. Well, that'd be cool. Much like me with the or with the point about a thousand volts of death that has been entered into the record for later uh, uh, contemplation. Anyway, so let's we get to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't see that on the next page. Actually, the next page is now the team-up, and we get a clobber. Ah, uh, well, we hear the death 
cry of Scrag. Scrag. Yes. And they and both Captain Marvel and the Thing, who appear now to have patched up their differences, are basically together. What was that? And they go to check it out and they find a giant pair of metal doors and well, let's face it, Captain Marvel and the Thing ain't nothing. No. It's paper mache before and we, the two like of I them. Like I said, we get it. It's clobbering time. Boom. And and they blow it in and they find a scroll change to stone. And uh, they come finally. Is who? Uh, what uh, I want to know is who and who could have done this? I and did. I did. And it's Thanos. And they come face to face with. And who in the blazing blue blaze, blinking blue blazes are you? <laughs> I love this thing's dialogue. I it's know. So much fun. And now we get the reveal, and it's that what a surprise! It's Thanos. Who saw that coming? That it could be Thanos. Is that why they did the whole origin of Thanos in the beginning of the issue? I never would have uh, imagined it. By the way, he really did well for himself quickly. Iron Man fifty five. He uh-huh. was not in full control. He was not even anywhere like it looked like he was in full control of Titan. Right. And apparently by and by this time he. Well, is how long already. after this is this taking place? I wonder. Well, if you want to look ahead real quick, can we do the friends uh-huh. and enemies? Uh-huh. The same issue. Issue this month is Iron Man fifty eight. Right, but I do so not that's think it. I do three not months think, later. Right, three months later. But I also think it needs to be pointed out. Actually, since Captain Marvel twenty five came if out, two, was bi monthly. That came out the same time as Iron Man fifty six. So it was a month later. Between very convincing explanations that I have read of the mechanics of what we like to call Marvel time. And uh, other things that I've learned from, for instance, the uh, wonderful Complete Marvel Reading Order, which is one of the greatest sites yes. on the internet. Um, I would like to say that I, I think it is not even remotely uh, a ne- necessary uh, assumption that comic books that are released the same month take place at the same time. No, I know they don't take place at the same time so, always, but it's just so close. Okay. But it is kind of funny at the Marvel time then doing that is... Apparently, a long time took place. There was a long period of time between Iron Man fifty five, fifty six, because mm-hmm. fifty six. If you remember, we talked about it mm-hmm. one of the times. Takes place right after that. He goes to war with the Avengers right. about Thanos. Right. And Captain Marvel twenty five is apparently a long stretch of time, but yet X Men one Uncanny X Men one thirty eight to now apparently can't be more than what seven eight years because yeah. Kitty Pride ain't twenty five yet. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's, someone... It's just kind it of was funny. Actually, someone actually really did... I, I, I actually, since you turned 16 on. in Excalibur, like 24, yeah. so in Candy 130, 130 uh-huh. or 129, what's your first... 130, I think. Is that your yeah. first appearance? Yeah. To Excalibur... No, which 129. Is, 129, which is 1980, to Excalibur 24, which is like 93? No, no, 92? no. Excalibur 24 would have been 88 or 89. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Okay. But that's, what, three years? Three years. But apparently we got, like, what, six months between, <laughs> between well, Iron Man actually, and someone, and someone made the very good point. It's just funny. Someone made the very good point that, um, I, I forget, it was, it was at some point around the new year, around in January of 2015, I think, that someone posted online, and I really have to find uh, it somehow, and I don't know how I'm going to find it. Someone made a, 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 a post somewhere that basically explained Marvel time. And they used Kitty Pride as their sort of control element. Oh, like element. every three years is three a year. Three and a half years of, of, Mar- of, of real world time equals one year in the Marvel Universe. And if you look at the ages of some of the most prominent characters, it's kind like, of that. Like, like Kitty Pride and Peter Parker and, and others, it works out perfectly. As long as you never read Avengers The Crossing. Perfectly. Well, I... I Believe me, from what I have heard, 
reading Avengers The Crossing is not something a sane person would want to do anyway. I remember doing that. Apparently, ten, that was 10 years after. Uh-huh. Well, no, was it? They go back in time 10 years. Mm-hmm. The Fantastic Four, they show going to their flight. Mm-hmm. Tony Stark is a teenager at the same time. Yeah. Peter Parker is like seven. Yeah. Yeah, no. Wait. What? Well, actually, there's. I don't another... think we got a full. I don't think no. someone got really got a calculator. Actually, though, out there's thing. another theory that actually makes a lot of sense, which is that Marvel time didn't actually start ha- like like that. The Marvel universe was happening in real time until I think 1968. It wasn't until 1968, like in the big explosion, once the once the distribution deal with. Oh man, am I getting in the weeds here? But once the distribution deal with national periodicals uh, ended, uh, independent distributors, whatever, ended in '68, and they were allowed to publish more than eight titles a month. So that's when Captain America and Iron Man got their own books. You know, uh, 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 Journey, um, not Journey into Mystery, uh, Strange Tales, uh, Tales of Suspense, um, ceased. To the public or became other things. Anyway, the point is that watershed mark. That's the point at which real the real time uh, progression of stories in the Marvel universe becomes the Marvel universe, like becomes Marvel time. And so you could possibly make the case that okay, no, Peter Parker was not seven, but he might have been thirteen when the Fantastic Four made their flight, made their fateful flight. Maybe you could maybe go there. Yeah, but just like, they, I just remember him being way too young, and like t- Tony Stark was too much of a teenager mm-hmm. to have been a teenager when the Fantastic Four were flying. Mm-hmm. And it's the big reveal of of Thanos and the Super Scroll standing behind him, looking kind of dopey and subservient, and yes. of course his uh, his uh, his man sized Jawa. Yes, who we don't know who that is yet. Although you and I, both with the benefit of hindsight and dramatic irony, do in fact know who it is. Oh yes, and Thanos needs a burger or two. Yeah, he's he is a, his, way too his, scrawny for me. He is he is looking very svelte. His that waist, oh my gosh, his waist is so girlish. This is young Thanos. He this, is like he is this like, is teenage Thanos. This is teen Thanos. <laughs> teen Thanos. Yay! This is saved by the saved by the Titan. Wait a minute, no, 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 no. The Super Scroll Screech. The Super Scroll is definitely Screech. So Thanos? no, no, no. Scrag was Screech. The Super Scroll is a uh, is a uh, Slater. Mm, no, nah, but he's not. I don't know, but um, maybe no Slater. I can see Slater. Okay, yeah, we can go with Slater because he could be so such he's a Zach, dick. You know? So death is uh, Kelly Kapowski. Oh, clearly, clearly, because you know we all have a thing for yeah. Everyone death. Did. I mean Kelly. Yes. I mean death. I mean no. Wait a minute. No. I'm okay. going to back out of Yeah, no, I'm just glad. Can, can, can we back out of the issue? Actually, we can't because this is the last page. So Next to last. Yeah. Oh, it's the next to last page? Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. So we've had the big reveal. One thing I do like, and, and, and it's funny, when, you, when your first sort of image of Thanos is the cover of the Infinity Gauntlet, and so you get used to Thanos' gloves. Yes. The fact that his gloves kind of look exactly the same here in his second appearance in Captain Marvel well, number 26. Those were his gloves. I mean, the Infinity Gauntlet. 17 years prior. Yeah, kind of love it. Well, because people the sometimes forget the, the way they do things. The Infinity Gauntlet wasn't a thing that Thanos got. He right, got right. the he gems them to and put them gloves. on his own gloves, and right. that became the Infinity Gauntlet. So they were just gloves. I'm just saying that there's a, a minor design element of his costume that remained relatively oh, for the most unchanged part, for almost 20 years. Yeah, for the most part, it's kind of the cool. same. Except, just a detail, but kind of cool. Except how his weight, basically. Right, exactly. But, you know, I mean, not everybody can 
to keep on that diet. I mean, when you're running around conquering everything, mm-hmm. sometimes you got to eat stuff on the go. Mm-hmm. You don't get a chance to eat a good, healthy meals. Yeah, he's eating McDonald's. You know, he has to grab a burger from McDonald's or something. Uh-huh. You know, eat too much of that. It's not good for you. Now, here's the Ben Grimm we know and love because upon the reveal of Thanos, Ben Grimm does what Ben Grimm has always done when confronted with a brand new foe of unknown power and uh, abilities. Punch him in he the face. He rushes at him like a battering ram and gets the ever loving blue eyed oh. bejesus blasted out Thanos of him. Just, zoop, yeah, one, just zaps him. Shot, Jedi shot. mind trick zaps him. Zaps him down and he the thing is out. Yeah, done. So it is more powerful than those like thousand volts of death because mm-hmm. that just stunned him. Right. He wasn't unconscious there. This so knocked his ass this out. This is already established that Thanos is a force to be reckoned with in the Marvel Universe because his merest Jedi hand wave generates more destructive power against the thing than a thousand volts of death. So. Is that our new um, <laughs> measuring stick? Yes. Well, how is it compared to a thousand volts of death? Absolutely. That is the new benchmark. A thousand volts of death? Yes? No? More or less? Hmm. Um, okay. So uh, Thanos uh, uh, is now left... The way clearly Starlin wanted him, which is ready to confront one-on-one Marvel. And this is what I like. Mm-hmm. This is already establishing the Thanos we know. It's not just I am here to fight you because uh-huh. Marvel's like, no, you're not going to break me. I know uh-huh. you want to get information. You're not going to break me. And uh-huh. Thanos like, what made you think I'm going to break you? Yeah. And then he zaps him, right. turns, brings Rick Jones back, right. and he's like, I want that guy. Yeah, yeah. No, deluded warrior. It is Rick Jones. And I love, okay, you have to say, the fact that in his mere, I, I, in his second appearance, the Thanos utters the name Rick Jones. Because let's face it, you and I, not too long ago, we did the Thanos, the uh, Infinity Revelation. Revelation graphic novel. That Thanos moves in circles far too cosmic and high-toned to let a name like Rick Jones ever pass his cosmically energized well, lips. To be fair, that's that's also a Thanos who has had the um Rick Rick Jones would the existence of a mere human like Rick Jones of of an individual human and that individual human's name would be beneath the yeah. awareness well, of the Thanos of the Infinity there was, Revelation. There's really two Thanos in, in the series. In right. The Revelation. No, wait. That, that's sorry. That's the annual thing. Right. Of. Right. Right. Infinity but, Revelation is recent. But yeah, that's post Infinity Gauntlet, post Cosmic Cube Thanos. That's a Thanos who's had cosmic awareness and right. been, been out there and had his consciousness expanded. This so, is still Thanos who's just yeah, he's just conquering. Right. And you just my just point is, is that you get used enough to that Thanos, and then you it, it is a slightly jarring moment to hear him. To, to read him saying the name yeah. of Rick Jones. But I do like that this Thanos already seems like not fully there because he's an earlier version. He hasn't done all those things. But he's going to be the Thanos but he's a f- he is, that he is, we know. I mean, right. there's so many characters. Like we said, even Super Scroll is so different now. Like you don't you read now these this one and you mm-hmm. read current Super Scroll and you can be like, how the hell did he get from there to here? I know. But right? you can read this Thanos and then recent Thanos and you can just go, okay, well I can see there's been changes, but you can see the seeds of that character. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You can see where he started. Yep. Yep. And then so they they the blip. Actually, there's of, no pop. It just says transmit. Oh yeah. No, it's it's the word. That's right. The, he, has, he says. Sees him hireling and prepared to transmit. Yes, no, it's not a it's not a rocket raccoon uh, uh, sound effect. Yeah, <laughs> and leaving the thing alone, and he doesn't know. You know, key ripes. Everything's gone. Everything is gone. Even the statue. You know, call it a sinking feeling, but there's nowhere to go but 
out there. I'm not sure I agree with that leap of logic on the part of the thing, but okay. Um, and something tells me it'll be a long time till Captain till it's Captain Marvel's time to laugh. Yeah, because here's the thing, Ben. Uh, you are unconscious. Uh-huh. You haven't had a chance to see how long you're unconscious. They could have just walked out the door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, it's Starlin basically telling you because the things. In case you're not reading the issue, and in case I didn't put it in the synopsis, the thing's looking out at the sky. So he's staring at the stars, going, that's the only place they could have gone, is out into space. But actually, if you're unconscious, they could have just walked out the door. Walked out of the room, Went down the block and went to the plaza and got a room. Exactly. They don't have to be in space. But it's Starlin's way of kind of pointing out to us, we're going to be in space next issue. Yes, things are getting cosmic. Now, I do have to say... My final thought on the issue here um, is that for all that we like to think of Starlin as having this grand design, um, Starlin had something he wanted to, you know, he had big dreams, something he wanted to talk about, and he, we know that he is here in the early stages of embarking upon what will become the most cosmic epic uh, in Marvel Comics uh, uh, history for a long while to come. Um, so bless him for that. So, and he deserves that reputation. But lest we think that he um, was, you know, uh, using Marvel merely to like, 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 like that his entire focus was taken up with the with the creation of this grand cosmic epic. At the same time, the bottom of this last page says that coming the thing coming the thing in his own mag. It's uh, it's, it's pointing out that the thing's own mag is going to be written by Len Wein and script and drawn by Jim Starlin. So Starlin, while he's dealing with all this, is still you know getting hired. You know, Marvel's yeah. still saying you're also going to draw this thing comic, and you know that's not going to be the cosmic shenanigans well, and hoo ha of uh, that's Marvel two in one, right? Issues four and five. Now I don't remember who draws every. I don't remember if he still stays on, but issue mm-hmm. four and five. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that was Sal Buscema, but uh, maybe because issue be... four and five is Guardians of the Galaxy. Him and Captain America go to the future. Yep, yep, yep. So yep. there is some cosmic coming up pretty quickly in that thing in the things on Mag. That's that's fair. My point is simply that Starlin did other stuff. That oh, yeah. was kind of my point. Starlin does so. things besides this. Starlin wrote uh, Death in the Family. Uh, the the Batman Robin yeah. dying. Oh, Starlin Star- wrote that. I'm. Ninety percent certain, and the art was by Jim Aparo. Yeah, okay. He was writing, and I think he was the regular writer on Batman. Interesting. And that might have been where I first heard of him. Batman the Cult Uh miniseries. That's Starlin. Interesting. In very very interesting. Well, cool. Which is definitely cool. cool. I mean, Batman gets to be in cosmic stuff, but Mm -hmm. it's never in Batman. Right. It's in something else. It's in the Superman or Batman or Batman Superman title, or it's in Justice League. Right. You don't see cosmic stuff. In Batman. Right. Batman Batman and Detective Comics tend to be set, not that I've read a huge lot of them, but I get the sense that they tend to be set very firmly in Gotham. Yeah. So they don't really do much cosmic stuff yeah. there. So. So that's it for the issue. Yep. The Fantastic Arts is your guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of Comics in 1961 onwards. Each week, Steve Lacey and Andy Leyland cover every issue, spin-off, guest appearance and cameo, and more. And in 2015, we begin our journey through the decade that tastes forgot, the 1970s. Join us as we take a look at... The departure of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. The Kree-Skrull War. The arrival of Marvel Team-Up. 
Bill Murray as the Human Torch. Creators including Roy Thomas, George Perez, Marv Wolfman, Jerry Conway, Rich Buckler and John Byrne. And of course, Marvel 2-in-1. All this and more at ffcast.libsyn.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. The Fantastic Cast. Insert catchy tagline here. Wait, what? Okay, and now we're gonna go back, jump to uh, friends and enemies. Where yes, we're gonna see Adam's 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 friends, Thanos's enemies. <laughs> yes, for the most part. And we're gonna see where the books that they've appeared in before are at currently, or like I should say, not currently, currently, but currently as of Captain Marvel twenty six. Exactly. Now uh, that month, Fantastic Four number one thirty four, A Dragon Stalks the Skies, written by Jerry Conway, art by John Buscema. Uh, a strange summons brings the FF to Whisper Hill, where they find Agatha Harkness. Ooh, Agatha Harkness, mm-hmm. and her mansion are both missing. What? I know craziness. Meanwhile, someone has found out where Sue and Franklin are and has sent Dragon Man to recover them. Ooh. Spooky, spooky, spooky. Dude, because that can't end well. I like Dragon Man. Uh, Dragon Man is fun. To be fair, my introduction to Dragon Man was Power Pack number eight or nine. Okay. When they called him Baby. Yes. So, I always like have a soft spot for Dragon Man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I like the way he's used now. I like the way he's used now. With the glasses. And yes. The, I'm a pacifist. Yes, yes. Like, very much like Awesome Andy back in uh, Dan Slott's She-Hulk. Exactly. Yes. Okay, this month we also had The Incredible Hulk 163. Trackdown by Steve Englehart and Herb Trimpey. With his Hulkbusters in full force across the Canadian border, I guess he finally got through customs. Yes, yes. Thunderbolt Ross sets about tracking down and eliminating the Hulk. Before long, he and the Hulk will fall prey to another startling menace. This is this is not too long before another. Uh, well, we won't go there. The whole Wendigo Wolverine thing, but that was a year or so in advance. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I had a little note for myself is. Whenever I look up these, I look up, you know, obviously uh-huh. the titles, and this uh-huh. is the first time I see a title that I'm uh-huh. done for this where it does not end with an exclamation point. Wow. Interesting. I believe they had others, but that's the first one that you saw. But it's the first one I've fair. come across in doing, you know, preparing for the show, whether it's the Warlock issues or the ones for just the friends and enemies. Uh, Iron Man 58 was the Mandarin and the Unicorn Double Death. Uh, the writing was by Mike Friedrich, uh, our, our plotter of this issue, um, working with uh, uh, Steve Gerber. Yay. And uh, with the art by George Tuska. Uh, with the Mandarin and now the Unicorn to deal with, has Iron Man finally met his match? I'm going to go with no, but I could be wrong about that. Meanwhile, uh, there's a strike going on that continues to escalate because that's, I'm assuming, something to do with uh, Stark Industries. And probably Firebrand. I don't. I'm not familiar with that. It's a character. It's Iron Man enemy because okay. a lot of his enemies seem to do with like corporate stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the ghost is the corporate espionage mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. Firebrand is sort of has to do with uh, I forget exactly. He's like a strike person or something, but it always has something to do with like workers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Whether he takes advantage of it or he's for it, and I forget if he just takes advantage of it or if he's one of those people that's. They always have him be a bit delusional. So if you know, even Stark's like, I want to give. Oh, you know what? Let's let's deal, and I'll give them more money. Firebrand's like. He's the corporate guy. Kill him. Uh-huh. Because, you know, he's... Right. Uh, the bad right. guys always be a little crazy. Right. Now, okay. 
And you can't have Tony being too much of a dick into the boss because... Well, they've, they've oftentimes found their way to Tony being a big dick. I, so it was only logical that, that ultimately he would become the superior Iron Man, but that's yes. another story altogether. And I like that series. I'm really looking forward to reading it, but that's one that I'm waiting for Unlimited on. Yes. And in Marvel premiere number eight, the doom that bloomed on Cthulhu's... Cthulhu's? Cthulhu's. Cthulhu's. Okay, I need to. I just need to take a moment here. That is clearly some Lovecraft stuff going on because Cthulhu sounds a lot like Cthulhu, Dude. and of course, one of H.P. Lovecraft's most famous stories is the Doom that came to Sarneth. Yes. So the Doom that bloomed on Cthulhu. Clearly, someone's been reading their Lovecraft by Gardner Fox and Jim Starlin. Okay. So he's back to doing cosmic stuff. Yes. <laughs> Strange and his companions must fight furiously to escape the clutches of Witch House. But the living structure is but a warm-up, for before long, Strange must face Cthulhu's, the living planet. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with Ego, the living planet. Yes. I think they're first cousins. Oh, okay. Once removed. And in Thor number 211 was The End of the Battle, which was written by Jerry Conway with art by John Buscema and Don Perlin. Because uh, Thor, in, in that Thor, has but moments to recover Mjolnir or be burned alive in the fires of Gerador's Forge. Meanwhile, the trolls, under the leadership of Yulik, that douchebag, have set out to conquer the surface world. So, uh, a lot of good stuff going on in Marvel Comics that yes. month. I like you, look. Yes. As a villain. I mean, not like, As a, I like him. He's like him. good to see Thor fighting him. But, he's actually you know. appeared recently in the current Thor run. Oh, okay, cool. He works for Roxxon. Oh, man. Well, if you, Roxxon, always there for fun. So. If you want to read this issue yourself, besides buying a copy of the original, there are a few places you can find it. Uh, you can find it in the Avengers vs. Thanos trade paperback. And also in the Essential Captain Marvel Volume 2 paperback, both of which are currently in print and you can find in stores. There's also the Life and Death of Captain Marvel trade paperback and the Life of Captain Marvel trade paperback, both of which are out of print, I believe. The Life of Captain Marvel miniseries, issues 1 and 2. The Marvel Masterworks Captain Marvel Volume 3. And then also you can find it digitally on Comicology.com and on Marvel's Digital Comics Unlimited. So if you want to hear uh, more of uh, my voice, if you really enjoy listening to it and want to hear more of it, then call me. No, no, no. Uh, check me out on the various podcasts of the Podwits Podcast Network. The Podwits Podcast, every week at podwits.com. Also, with Al here, we do Four Hi. Color Fanboys. That's at fourcolor.podwits.com. Talking general interest comic stuff. And uh, me and my buddy Dion of the Podwits do uh, Wahoo, the Sergeant Fury podcast going through Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos 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 issue by issue that one's at furycast.podwits.com and all three of those can also be found on iTunes so check those out if you think I am a podcasting force to be reckoned with <laughs> or just if you like me please like me someone has to <laughs> if you feel so inspired there are a few ways you can contact us you can send an email at resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com or just leave an iTunes review. Either one will be greatly appreciated and will be read right on the air. And be sure to check out the show's Tumblr page where I post images from the issues we review at resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com This show can now be found on Stitcher. In case you don't know what Stitcher is, Stitcher is radio on demand. 
a free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discovered from 20,000 others. Available on iOS, Android, Nook, and iPad. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at Stitcher.com or in the App Store. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright or trademark infringement is meant or intended or planned. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. We should get moving. We should on get stuff. moving on Captain Marvel and Thanos, the the Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Where were we on that? We were on. I wish this had page numbers. I do not have uh, page numbers, but uh, the <laughs> I was going to say, hey, we're at the part where Captain Marvel and the Thing are fighting. But oh yeah, <laughs> no, that's right. Because we were on that page where you said he looks like a scroll. Right. No, no, a, a blood, blood brother. brother. A blood brother. So. Um. Yeah. Copy. Okay. There we go. Okay. Good. So, I'll, oh, I'll put it right fine. there then. Okay. There we go. So, yeah.